Welcome to Whiskey and Wonder. All right. All right. Welcome. It has been a stressful 30 minutes. <laughs> yep. Technology Hi. issues. Uh, what else is new? Yep. Uh, we are Whiskey and Wonder, a podcast where we review whiskey every week and we teach the other about something that has made us wonder. Uh, I am Megan. And I am Tyler. And if you're on YouTube, you're going to notice some changes and I would highly recommend everybody ride over to YouTube and check us out over there. Like, subscribe, rate us over there, please, if you wouldn't mind. Um, we put a little more production value in and we've taken all the writing off the screen. So... All that good jazz can now be found in the show notes. Yep, yep. Under all that. Maybe uh, if I can learn a little more about how YouTube works, we can get um, get links inside the actual that would be, video that you can be cool. click. Um, but this is, I'm learning a little more about the software. I finally got a little more time and learned a little more about the software and things I can do to add it. Now, I am going to preface this by this entire episode by saying... Uh, if you were on board with us last week, uh, we had some camera issues and I let these cameras, I set them up and changed all the settings so that there should be no issues this week. I let them run for a couple hours. No issues. <laughs> Until I stepped in the room. <laughs> Until Megan walked in the goddamn room <laughs> and her camera literally <laughs> randomly just starts beeping I can't even tell if it shuts off. Sometimes it comes back. Sometimes it doesn't. So I might have to do a pit stop on the pit stop under uh, green flag conditions. So, okay. <laughs> so if you guys want to watch that, feel free to head to YouTube. Um, all right. So again, we are whiskey and wonder. You can find us, uh, check out our website at whiskey and We've got lots of cool stuff there, including uh, descriptions about the different types of whiskeys whiskeys that we have tried what we rated them what episode you can find them in if you want to go back and try anything we've tried see for yourself uh, if you heard that in the background you can see in my camera that's Bo. he's in the room and navy is over with megan mm -hmm. um also on the website we've got lists of listener suggestions our own suggestions we've got some things that are for sale some stickers some whiskey glasses um We've got ways you can donate to help us if you'd like to. Just all sorts of cool stuff. Our little bio is on there. Yeah. So we've, we've updated the website and got it kind of pointing in the right direction, we think. Um, if you want to contact us on any kind of social media, you can get us mainly on Instagram at Whiskey Podcast. And I'm going to preface that by saying we're terrible at it. But uh, <laughs> yes, we're both on uh, at Whiskey Podcast. We have individual accounts as well. If you're interested, that'll be in the show notes. Uh, we have individual emails you can contact us at. If you want to just get a hold of the podcast, send us an email at contact at whiskeyandwonder.com and we will probably read it during a mail time segment. So unless you ask us not to, but we always love hearing from everybody. Mm -hmm. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, all that good stuff it can be found in the description along with a couple of places you can donate if you want to support us. Thank which, you. Yes, to everybody that does support us. We want to say thank you. We appreciate it. Give you a round of applause. Yes. Um, 
I think that pretty much hit the social media and the announcements all in one, right? All right, yeah. Yeah, I just I, I NASCAR'd right on through that one. So, all right. Um, we're just going to go ahead and jump in then. The open segment. All right. So I told Megan I'm going to start today. Okay. And I told Megan, oh, there's that fancy production value. <laughs> Uh, anyway, I told Megan, I've got a couple stories I want to share, but most, first and foremost, I've got some news that I think Megan's going to enjoy and she has no idea what it is. I'm so confused. Um, I made it official on Friday night that at the end of October, I will only be working at the bar Friday evenings. So I'm gaining back some time. I I, I'm scheduled to work two events. Uh, so I'm, I'm scheduled every other Saturday as it is, and I'm working two events. So I don't think I will be behind the bar on a Saturday. So that is awesome. Yes. Uh, that means what that means for you listener um, and to all our supporters and also for Megan as well, that I will have more time to devote to whiskey and wonder. Uh, That's Amazing. And that is awesome. Yes. And I'm, you know, this, it's just Megan and I, and truth be told, like, and I, and I mean, no offense by this, Megan, but a lot of the technology is the recording and stuff is I'm, I handle it. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't, yeah, I couldn't yeah. take offense at that even no, if I wanted to, but it, it's, it can be a bear sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Megan sat here and watched me fight with this for the last half hour to 45 minutes. And yep. because I existed <laughs> I don't know what I did. I just, I just existed here. <laughs> um, but anyway, so hopefully that means I can get a little bit more thorough research done. I can get a little bit better updates on the website, a little bit more bonus content in the works, a little bit more, you know, just production value this week. I, I mean, I spent most of my free time working on, I know it seems like very, very small, uh, production values on YouTube. It It's not the coolest thing in the world, it, but it is to me because I worked, uh, I spent a lot of time trying to perfect this this week. So, oh, well, thank you, Tyler. I, you get a round of applause. Well, thank you. I, wow, that sounds really hollow. That's, yeah, it does. That's interesting. That's um, weird. Let's not worry about it right now. Yeah, I, won't touch, we'll, we'll, I won't touch my thing again. All right. We'll figure that one out. <laughs> See, it's just Megan's stuff, guys. It is literally just hers. Um, so the other thing I wanted to mention, um, it's been a long week. It's been a stressful week, mainly because I wasn't looking forward to having that conversation at the bar. I expected it to go uh, a little bit different, and I just wanted to make sure that everybody was okay with my decision as well as myself. But anyway, I was working this Saturday. Um, I was at the bar. Shelby was there actually at the end of the bar, the other end, talking with some of the uh, owners, uh, some of the other employees, whatnot. And um, there was a customer in there. It was a it was a young lady, early to mid twenties, probably. And I could just tell she was very flirty. I just she was very flirty and. It was, uh, I was just kind of waiting till she left. I figured she was going to 
hit on me or, you know, try to get my number or something like that. And then she comes up and she closes out and flirts a little more and leaves. Not uncommon as a bartender. Bar, bar that, things. That's just, it is what it is. I, I'll be honest with you. And Shelby knows this. I flirt with people. Gets if it me gets a, you tips. Gets me a better tip. Heck yeah. I, Earn those tips. I card old ladies like you wouldn't believe. Oh, that makes everyone feel real good. Yes, especially women. Mm-hmm. I don't even card half the dudes, but I card almost every every lady that comes up. Anyway, so this this girl closes her tab and goes back outside. She was sitting outside. It was a fairly slow night, so I I pretty much had tabs on where everybody was at, all the customers. Anyway, um, I see her come back in, and I thought she had left. Uh, I see her come back in. And she went around to the bathroom. I said, okay, whatever. No big deal. You know, going to the bathroom. Helping a customer and finish with that customer. Look up and she's standing there back in line. And I was like, oh boy. And truth be told, it was kind of one of those, like it happened so fast. I didn't even realize what was happening, but she walked up and she goes, hey, would it be all right if I give you my phone number? And I was like, yeah, whatever you need. I got and started looking around for like a pen and paper. And then it dawned on me what she said. <laughs> and I was like, wait, 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 <laughs> wait, hold on. I got a sound effect for that. Oh, uh, somewhere. There it is. It literally, I was like, wait, my girlfriend's at the other end of the bar. <laughs> like I, uh, and so I had to like turn around and I'm like, I am so sorry. <laughs> I'm. I, you were on autopilot. Like I was. I didn't comprehend what you said. I have a girlfriend. Like you're, you're very sweet, but I, and she, it was the most awkward. She's like, "Oh no, thank you for not being that guy." And she went to like handshake me and and then like change <laughs> to a fist bump, and then it was another handshake. And I'm just like on the other side of the bar, like trying to match whatever she's doing. Oh and God, I, was, I bet I was she just, was mortified. I could tell the whole time she was like trying to work up the courage. Oh, bless like, her heart. And then I thought she had just left and there was like, she just chicken out. No big deal. And I don't, I'm not judging, you know, I've been there. I've done that. And it's, you know what? It's, I'm flattered. If, if I don't remember your name from your tab, but <laughs> ma'am, if you hear this, I'm flattered. <laughs> I am, but I, I am happy. I am in a relationship, so. Um, but yeah, that was the most awkward. I was just like, "Don't, don't not come back to Armored Cow because of this." <laughs> like, <laughs> I promise. I'm sorry. And so it was just the most awkward. Oh, it was the most awkward uh, exchange I've had in a long time. Well, that's. So, anyway. Interesting. All right. How about how about you? How's your week gone? Um, it's been pretty good. It is officially spooky season and I live for the spooky season. So (laughs) I am stoked, um, that it is spooky time. Um, Shelby and I just went today. I don't want to say how much she spent on pumpkins, but let's just say it was about three and a half times more than I would have spent on pumpkins. (laughs) Did she, how many pumpkins did she buy? Um, my gut wants to say about f- five, maybe six. 
Okay. And she's going to carve, carve them all? No, I don't think so. I think mm-hmm. she's only going to she carve just... one. Well, she's going to... She bought oh. me one as well. Um, so we're going to carve two at least. Um, so thanks, Shelby. I don't think I actually said thank you for buying my pumpkin, but thank you for buying my <laughs> pumpkin. Even though I wouldn't have bought one if you didn't want to carve them. <laughs> so... Um, uh, yes, it is spooky season. Yes, so uh, with the weird living situa- situation me and Houston are in right now, um, I'm hoping that uh, we will be able to carve pumpkins and place them outside our uh, current living situation house. Maybe we can make it a big old family thing and make everyone do it. So that's the goal. Um, if not, you can come carve them over here and put them on my porch. Okay. All right. I I love pumpkins. Everything yeah. about Halloween is just amazing. Yeah. You mean Shelby and Houston can all carve our pumpkins together? That, uh, I think Shelby would really enjoy that. That sounds awesome. Uh, we should do that even if I get to carve pumpkins uh, at the place where I live right now. Sure. So that Shelby, would be a lot of fun. Uh, Let's Shel- double date it, Shelby. Yeah. I know uh, I know you're behind on the episode, so I'll catch you up on this later. Yes. And if she doesn't <laughs> want to double date, it's okay. I don't but. think she's going to mind. But that would be fun. And Houston, uh, also, you want to do this. (laughs) I'll talk to you, too. (laughs) Dictated. (laughs) Uh, Um, Other than that, my dad comes to town on Thursday. I'm going to go pick him up from the airport. So I'm stoked for that. And I panic cleaned my car. Um, So my renegade has not been this beautiful in a very long time because I wanted it to be very nicely detailed for when he got here. So, and, um, I know this is, this is maybe touching on something you may not want to talk about in the podcast specifically, but, um, I guess your dad's not staying with you. That's the way I can word it. Right. Yeah. He's staying with you guys. No. Okay. He's no, he's, he's not staying with us. Okay. Gotcha. Yes. He is staying in a hotel. Um, last I heard though, um, they are not renting a car because I took the time off that they'll be here. So I agreed to chaperone or yeah, chauffeur them. Okay. So So, I don't uh, know if that's going to stick. I don't know if he's going to rent a car. I feel like it's my dad and I would see him. I can see him saying, nah, I want a car, but we'll find out. So, uh, it's your dad and his wife? Yes, okay. my dad and Paula, which uh, yes. thank you guys. I know, Dad, you listen, and Paula, you support us too. So Yes, you guys Thanks. do. Uh, so we appreciate that so much. Have some applause. Sorry, it took me a second to reach. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It sounds like all the parents are in town this week. Uh, Shelby's, fo- uh, Joelle, her dad's coming in town. In a town, she's going on this uh, camping trip. I think I mentioned on here a couple of months ago, Shelby and myself and her brother and her nephew did a camping trip where we destroyed our ankles. Yes. They're uh, going yes. to do the same trip, but they're going to start at the bottom. And go up? And go about a third of the way up and camp. There's They're going into like the first campsite. Okay. Spending the night and then they're either going to hang out there the whole time or they're going to hike into the next campsite, which is, it's only like a couple miles. That's not bad. Yeah. So it'll be, I think it'll be a good, uh, good trip for them. Good family trip. I am going to, uh, there's going to be a bonding session that happens. Shiloh and I are going to bond. 
<laughs> For anybody that doesn't uh, know, Shiloh is Shelby's dog, one of Shelby's dogs, and Shelby, uh, Shiloh is terrified of, of men. Everything. Every men, especially. But especially, yeah. I've been in her life for over over a year. A year, yeah, a year and a half. A year and a half. And something she's like that. still terrified of me. So we're gonna yep. bond. It's gonna be a good time. She's gonna love me afterwards. All right. If you need help, you know who to call. I do. <laughs> um God, I always feel like my stories are just not nearly as cool as yours because I don't I don't work in a bar and the stories I have from work oftentimes can be a little bit too revealing revealing yeah i, mean, I literally said the name of the bar so i know i can't say the name of the yeah, place where no, i work i know i i understand i didn't mean to say it but <laughs> i've also worn the shirt so yeah oh no oh there it goes i broke it there goes a camera uh, there goes both of the cameras it it would appear well oh well, tyler's back i'm back megan's not let's see if i can make oh, this happen well, real okay quick. um this is weird, especially because I don't have anything else to talk about. Oh, there's a really wide shot. Didn't like that. Oh, yeah. Uh, you keep keep on going. Okay. Um, so one of the things I am going to talk about today. Um, oh, shit. That is, actually came up on the screen. I forgot. I can't manually. Yeah. You guys are going to see that. Um, one of the uh, things that I'm going to talk about for a, a quick second here today um, is my mom uh, took me to Las Vegas when I was a tiny itty bitty child. Uh, the same time when I went to Carlsbad Caverns with my um, dad, my mom took me to Vegas with her and my grandma and my aunt. Um, and that was, uh, there was this drop dead gorgeous showgirl like outside one of the hotels mm -hmm. i remember her outfit was like a really pretty like navy blue and she was tall and thin and just absolutely drop dead gorgeous and i was like just drumstruck staring at her and i'm pretty sure that was like my bisexual awakening now that i think back on it but um my mom is has a picture of me with that showgirl somewhere. How old were you? How old did you say you were? Seven, eight. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was a little kid, but I'd never seen a woman so beautiful in my life. Like, absolutely stunning. So that was that was cool. And mom, if you're listening, I want that photograph so I can share it about. And showgirl, if you're listening, hope your life's been okay. Megan's... Still got the hots for you. You were very pretty. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Uh, that's pretty much been the excitement of my week. Um, anything else going on in yours or you want to go ahead and Let's move on? Let's move on. All right. Uh, oh, I, I meant to switch the cameras, but didn't. Opening the bottle. The so, fact that you got the camera to work at all is yeah. Nice. I've got a billion different keys over here that I have to hit. It's like I'm playing the piano while we're doing this now. Um, and I just set it to the wrong screen. So instead of seeing Megan big while she was talking, you saw both of us. That's not a big deal. All right. This week we are drinking Bozeman Spirits Distillery. Their 
1889 bourbon whiskey. It's this, made in Montana. This is one of the whiskeys I brought back from my trip out west. Yes. So this is the second of the four. Yes. That we've done. Yes. Oh, nice. This is from their website. Just south of Bozeman lies the Gallatin Mountain Range. With several drainages that emerge from the snow-capped peaks, water meanders its way into the valley and eventually into your glass. Pretty much every distillery around the country claims they have the best water, and through various means of acquiring the water, deep wells pulling water out of limestone caverns or piping water in from another area, we do neither, but we can claim some of the purest water around. Why purest, you ask? Simply stated, we are uniquely situated east of the Continental Divide, and the water that melts from the high mountain peaks around us end up flowing all the way to the ocean via the Missouri and Mississippi rivers. So we get it first. Um, and they just go on to talk about how their water is the best water. And um, as for 1889, the Montana 1889 whiskey is named after the year we, as in Montana, entered the Union. It is made with three ga- three grains, Montana malted barley, Montana rye, and corn, all milled in Montana. And then it is distilled and aged in downtown Bozeman in Montana in new 53-gallon American oak barrels. The smell on this is overwhelming. Megan, I'm going to let you go ahead and smell it before I do any description. Hmm. Uh, I'm curious to see what you think, but um, I have a specific item it reminds me of. I, I'm i like, I'm hoping it's overwhelming for me, but it hasn't been yet. I don't know wow, what I'm supposed to Wow, it's not overwhelming? It smells hmm. just like homemade biscuits. It smells like the biscuits my mom used to make. I do not smell like flour biscuit. All right, give me a glass. Okay. Make sure it's not some screw up from when I washed them earlier. Noel? Nope, yours smells like biscuits too. Okay, so I'm just, I don't know how to smell things. Maybe you just never had good biscuits. I am from out west. Yeah, that uh, I, I, I smell nothing but biscuits. I'm sure it's the... That's weird. I smell chocolate, like really um, intense chocolate. I'm getting some caramel, um, definitely some sort of cereal grain, which I guess is probably the biscuit you're smelling. That's probably what, because it, it, I mean, it smells a little bit more like cornbread or cornmeal, but I also get like flour from biscuit dough. Uh, I, I don't smell anything but that, that it, it uh, instantly, like if you're watching the video, um, you know, I, which I would highly suggest only because I put so much work into this damn video <laughs> this week. Um, you'd see me like immediately like jump back to the microphone waiting for a moment to cut in because it took me back to my childhood. Oh, it was one of those nostalgia smells. Yes, it was. Oh, wow. That's nifty. That's super cool. Um, I wish I could smell the homemade biscuits like you're smelling, but I'm, I'm smelling chocolate more than anything, like a milk chocolate. Um, maybe a bit of caramel, some cereal grain. 
I don't get um, any of that. Straight, I'm going to call it, I'm just going to say it's grain because obviously it's whiskey. It's not biscuits. It's made with <laughs> grain, but they do both have grain in them. So um, what are we supposed to smell? Um, You're high because we are supposed to smell hazelnuts, caramel, milk chocolate, figs, and malt. According to the actual distillery, their official nose is vanilla, caramel, oak, and malt. Oh, man. So don't know where you're getting biscuits. I just tasted it, and I am broken because the aftertaste that's hanging with me and the finish, straight bacon. (laughs) Hold on. (laughs) (laughs) Hold on. I... um. You, you you go you, right ahead. Um, um, straight bacon is like I couldn't the front was was very unique and then on the back end I was like it it drastically changed and it I was like I've tasted this before and then now it's lingering it's still there it tastes just like bacon. <laughs> Does it not? It tastes like bacon. It tastes like your mouth tastes after you've eaten bacon. Exactly. And like you've just haven't put anything you've else in your mouth. Like some, for like, yeah, you've got like a little bit of that residual flavor. Oh my I God. It tastes like bacon. That is <laughs> bizarre, Montana. Oh. Um, Bozeman, that's what are y'all putting in your oh, bourbon? Man, I was looking forward to finding a way to get your huckleberry vodka because I love huckleberry, but now I'm scared. Biscuit and bacon. Hell yeah. <laughs> I uh, I didn't even register any other taste because I wanted so badly to get to the aftertaste. So uh, let me take another sip. Yeah, I see. just I just took another one. It is definitely chilled. Mm-hmm. These 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 have not been chilled. They're room temperature. Immediately, I noticed how cool it was. Very sweet on the tip of the tongue. Transitions into a drier. Oaky, oaky kind of flavor, and then it leaves the taste of after the, the second time. It wasn't as much of a bacon in the whiskey, but it still leaves that aftertaste of bacon. Yes, um, I yes, um, everything you just said, I agree. The initial um, tip of your tongue, immediate taste is definitely sweet. Um, I'm really picking up on that milk chocolate, like Hershey's milk chocolate that's been like melted down and you're just like licking the spoon. Um, See, I don't get that at all. I I have not got chocolate mm. out of this smell or taste. I get more of a vanilla sweet. I get vanilla too and I get caramel. Lots of different sweet flavors combining. Um, There's definitely that transition into a dry like malt Mm -hmm. and um but then, yeah, at the end, after you swallow it and it's gone, you get that smoky bacon. Yeah, that's it. It's like smoked bacon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what it is. It's a smoky. I guess that's why I immediately related it to bacon. Um. Wow. Yeah, I would have never thought the word smoky for that. But. Yeah, it's like, it's, a, yeah, smoky, smoked bacon. I'm I'm going to go ahead and say it now. I'm not going to tell you what I think one way or the other, but I will tell you I was put off originally by the smell. Even though it smelled like biscuits and whatnot, I did not expect it to smell like that. So it, it just surprised the hell out of me 
Okay. I didn't get any biscuits, so I was not disappointed in the smell. Uh, it's not that I was necessarily <clears throat> disappointed. I was just surprised. It wasn't what I expected. So we are supposed to be tasting caramel, malt, check, corn, check. Check. and dried fruit. Officially, according to the distillery, we should be tasting savory, smooth grain, creamy caramel, and a hint of smoke. Yep. I'd, I'd say we got everything except for dried fruit. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very interesting. Yes, it is. This Montana. Is, this is very. Oh, maybe it's because it's in my head. But as I went to sip that, like I smelled bacon. I think it's just, it's just in my head though. <laughs> I honestly think I'm just uh, psychosomatic. Nope, I still get biscuits or grain. I'm going to call it grain because, like I said earlier, both come from grain. But That's, okay. I'm literally just, if I do it quick, like, boop, boop, I get smoked bacon. (laughs) That's so weird. I don't know. Like, boop, boop, bacon. Not getting it. Still, Still getting, ow, still getting grain. All right. Um, all right. So it is your turn this week. Uh, if, I don't know if I think we did say this earlier, but I just saw it on the um, schedule. So just in case we didn't, anybody that donates or supports us in any way, we just want to say thank you. It lets us keep this up. Um, liking, subscribing, mm-hmm. rating us, reviewing us, sending us email. All, all that the wonderful stuff. things yes, you do is things. amazing. It helps us so much and we couldn't do this without y'all. So. Uh, thank y'all for that. And I guess on that note, we will go ahead and jump into Megan's topic. It's time for the wonder segment. All right. So in honor of spooky season, um, I decided to do this week's wonder segment on the queen herself, the mistress of dark Elvira. And I expect Tyler has no idea who that is because he is uncultured. (sighs) So I'm going to show you a picture of Elvira, Tyler, and pray that you at least recognize what she looks like. Please. Come on. No, but I got sucked in by something else. Uh, Her boobs. (laughs) Yep. We're going to talk a lot about her boobs. Don't worry. No, I have no idea who that is. Well, everyone else listening is going to know who Elvira is because she is an American icon. She is the face of gothic horror amazingness. Um, and even though you don't know her, hopefully uh, you're going to like her story because it's it's pretty fascinating. Uh, to preface... Preface this? Preface Preface. Yeah, to preface yeah. this, uh, I... Did all of the research up until the point where she officially becomes Elvira. And from that point on, I decided to leave her story from there to be read by her herself. So she, I got 99% of the information today from her memoir and you'll, you'll see, we're going to go and move on. I trust you. You're driving and I trust you. Okay. Chances are, even if you have no idea who she is by name, you'd recognize Cassandra Peterson in her costume, unless you're Tyler. 
At 70 years old, Peterson has been the face of gothic beauty for more than 40 years. The world was first introduced to Elvira in 1981 when Cassandra began to host KHJ-TV's weekly horror movie presentation. Audiences fell in love with the buxom, boisterous mistress of the dark, and she's been a pop icon ever, pop culture icon ever since. Cassandra Peterson released her Tell Our Tell All memoirs at the end of September this year, 2021, if you're listening in the future, right in time for spooky season. And of course, I picked it up as soon as it dropped. I wanted to start October off right with the woman that inspired and empowered four decades of alternative wonder. But before Cassandra became Elvira, she was born on September 17th, 1951, in Manhattan, Kansas. Manhattan, Kansas. The little apple and a sleepy small town. Her father, Dale Warren August Peterson, married Phyllis Schmidt in 1951, shortly after Phyllis discovered she was pregnant. In her memoir, she jokes about being named Cassandra, not Cassandra, and that was as bizarre as being called Zorel, which was her first experience with freak- freakishness. She went by the nickname Sonny so that everyone around had an easier time pronouncing it because Cassandra was too hard to say in nowhere, Kansas in 1950s. Y'all know Cassandra lived down the road over the under. <laughs> Cassandra. Her young parents took over the family farm shortly after she was born and positively failed at being farmers. Their first attempt at growing corn didn't pan out, and all of the calves they tried to raise died in their first winter. (laughs) So her father became a salesman instead for Singer sewing machines. And then in 1953, at one and a half years old, Cassandra Peterson should have died. For some reason, she was left unsupervised to explore the farmhouse alone. The toddler managed to pull a chair across the kitchen up to the stove. She climbed on top of it to see the eggs boiling in the kettle upon the stove. Being 18 months old, she inevitably lost her balance and grabbed the closest thing in reach to avoid falling. Mm. That thing just happened to be a cast iron pot of boiling water filled with eggs. She fell. More than just fell, she pulled the skillet down on top of her, covering more than a third of her body in third-degree burns. Her mother heard the screams and went to investigate her toddler lying on the floor with skin sloughing off her tiny body. In the 1950s, burns were even harder to treat than they are today, obviously, and chances were if someone had more than 25% of their body burned, they were a goner. Baby Elvira had 33% of her body wrecked by the boiling water. Not only had her skin melted off in numerous places, all of the hair on her head was gone, and her eyes were fused shut. But she pulled through that night in the hospital 
But she pulled through that night in the hospital in small town Manhattan and was surviving into the next day. Doctors, shocked she was still alive, ordered her parents to get her to the University of Kansas Medical Center as fast as they could if they wanted her to have a chance to continue surviving. There, the doctor suggested treating the infection from the burns with a neat new medicine that was just beginning to be mass-produced, penicillin. With no other option, she was injected and pumped full of the antibiotic, and it was very touch-and-go for several days. But Sonny was a fighter. The penicillin fought the infection, and she stabilized. The doctors grafted skin onto her back, shoulders, neck, and ankles. She was in the hospital for weeks and continued to return to the burn center in Kansas many more times. Quote, Just take a look at the lucky things that happened. Penicillin had just come into the widespread use. The nearest burn center was one of the best in the country. Okay, pulling a pot of boiling water on top of myself, not so lucky, but ironically, I'd eventually come to think of the accident as one of the best things to ever happen to me. End quote. She writes that in the first chapter of her book. She goes on to explain about her move to Colorado Springs, where she would spend the rest of her childhood, just a stone's throw from my hometown of Aurora. They moved onto the same street as her paternal grandparents, and Sonny was often left with her grandma Peterson. Cassandra's amazing wit comes through in her biography as she reminisces, quote, This gave her the opportunity to hoist me up onto her ample lap and lay her crazy Jehovah's Witness shit on me. Your daddy's gonna die, Sony, she'd say, looking me straight in the eye. And if he doesn't stop drinking and cussing, he's going to hell, where he'll burn in internal damnation. Wait a minute. <laughs> Wait a minute. Yep. I want to pause that. I just learned from another podcast that Jehovah's Witnesses don't believe in hell. Oh, well, whatever. Which I, I find interesting, and I, I just want to mention briefly, my grandparents are Jehovah's Witnesses. Oh, I'm sorry. And no, it's, <laughs> I take no offense. Um, I just I, I did not realize some of the fucked up things that... Religion says? Well, not religion, but Jehovah's Witnesses believe. Yeah. So... Anyway, continue. Being the gullible five-year-old that I was, it terrified me beyond words. According to Grandma, he was, one, taking off to hell and abandoning me, and two, going to burn, which I knew from experience was no fun. End quote. She'd demand the child play, pray with her, and Sonny would pretend to comply, but would often squint through the slits of her eyes. Her grandma Peterson found religion after a rather nasty experience. Years before, when they still lived in Kansas, grandma fell through the ceiling and broke her arm, her leg, and her jaw in the fall. Damn. She fell through the ceiling because she had been running from her husband. You see, her husband had just found out that his wife had been giving the town pharmacist sexual favors in exchange for pain pills. Addiction runs rampant in her bloodline. And from that incident, Grandma Peterson repented by finding a brimstone and hellfire god. 
Sonny would squint through her praying eyes and think about how she missed the happy pill-popping granny from before, rather than the one that spewed zealot mebel about the end of days. Quote, My family had this odd tradition of giving the oldest child of each of my dad's brothers or sisters a rhyming middle name. Thus we had Jeannie K., Geraldine Fay, Danny J., Vern Ray, and me, Cassandra, Cassandra Gay, which would someday be good for lots of laughs when I was carded at gay discos. End quote. Her family was big and chaotic, always running about with grandparents, cousins, aunts, and uncles. Despite always having happy family nearby, her home life wasn't as great as it was portrayed to the outside world. Her mother wasn't fit to be a mother. She had been an anxious woman in the 1950s and only did what was expected of her, get married and have children. But she wasn't a good mother by any stretch. Her parenting method consisted of do it because I say so or I'll give you something to really cry about and tons of gaslighting and mental abuse. She was the supreme narcissistic parent. Elvira didn't know what would set her mother off because there was no correlation to how she behaved versus how she was treated. She'd attack her physically for walking through the door just as easily as she would for talking back. Hitting, kicking, and biting were fairly normal, and she'd like to grab the nearest object and whack Cassandra about with it. Peterson recalls that the physical abuse wasn't nearly as scarring as the mental. Her mother took joy in finding the things Elvira was the most sensitive about and picking on them. She'd call her Dumbo because Sonny hated that her ears stuck out. She was also nicknamed Stupid and Idiot. During during puberty, when she became conscious not only of boys, but also of her weight, her mother would prod her stomach and declare, Fatso. Mm. Quote, But mother had her favorite way to hurt me. If I was moping, and she sensed I was sad or upset, she'd ask, What's your problem? And when I made the mistake of replying, she'd attack the most sensitive part of me. Of course boys don't like you. She'd hiss through clenched teeth. Look at you. You think any man would want to be with someone with all those scars? Shit. Mm, There goes the cameras again. (sighs) Writes, this is written by 70-year-old Cassandra. The memory as clear in the 21st century as it was when she was a teenager. Quote, I woke up each morning like any child of a narcissistic parent with no idea what the crazy would be that day. I learned at an early age that avoiding my mother was the safest thing to do, and I stayed away from home as much as a little kid could. Like many abuse survivors, Cassandra bottled the anger and rage that her mother caused in her in fear of retaliation and getting hurt further. And then, inevitably, that rage would get released onto others. Her father, however, was her superhero. He was never abusive to Sonny and instead catered to her. He'd find a way to buy her anything she'd desire, even though money was scarce. She spent so much time with him. He was kind, the type of man that would do anything for a friend. He was a brilliant storyteller and wanted to help anyone he could that was struggling. 
That didn't mean he wasn't without his issues, however. His temper was short. One of her memories is, quote, Once, when we were tooling down the road in Daddy's used Miss Green Cadillac, he started cussing to beat the band at the car behind us, which was tailgating, a major pet peeve of his. He pulled off the highway and motioned the other driver to the side of the road. Wondering what the problem was, the other driver pulled over and stopped. Stay here, my dad commanded. I'll be right back. Daddy got out, calmly strolled up to the stranger's car, and made a roll-down-your-window motion with his hand. Then he popped the guy straight in the kisser with all of his might. <laughs> Lucky for my dad, no one carried guns back in those days. Every other word out of his mouth was damn, goddamn, son of a bitch, bastard, or hell. And that wasn't when he was angry. It was just his normal, everyday speech. I was just downtown, he'd say. Of course, it was hotter than hell, and there was the crazy bastard Garner, and goddammit, if he wasn't with that son of a bitch Ted. End quote. He also enjoyed drinking. They'd take family trips driving through the mountains on the weekends. And really, are you a Coloradan if you haven't done that a few times? With a bottle of Coke and whiskey between his legs. He'd let Sonny drink a third of the bottle of Coke so that he could fill it back up with Jim Bean. She wonders how anyone survived the 1950s when there were no seatbelts or laws against drinking and driving. Mm, yeah, that's... Uh, <laughs> I, I must have been when I was troubleshooting something or Googling something. When did they move to Colorado? Um, shortly after her burn incident, okay, she was so still a she toddler. Was still very young. Okay. She considers Colorado to be her home. I was going to ask a, a very dumb question. Having missed that detail, I was going to say, where are there mountains in Kansas? Bless it. <laughs> uh, but that makes more sense no. if they're in Colorado. No, she grew up, uh, very like 45 minutes away from Aurora. Yeah. I remember hearing you say that now while I was troubleshooting. So yep. she saw her first horror movie at eight. William Castle's house on Haunted Hill. And then she couldn't get enough of horror. Instead of Barbie dolls, Sonny wanted model kits from her favorite monster movies. Frankenstein, Dracula, The Wolfman. And she got them. So as everyone around her played with regular dolls, she was painting monsters. She fell in love with stories that combined monsters and witchcraft and humor. The monsters and Bewitched, for example. But her absolute favorite was The Addams Family. Obviously, these shows were pivotal in her personality, especially her influence from Morticia Addams when it came to her inventing Elvira. Halloween was her favorite time of year. Her mother opened a costume business that became the largest costume shop in Colorado Springs, Peterson's Partyland. So her mom and aunt made costumes that were leagues above the other kids. Cassandra got her first non-traumatic burn victim exposure to media when she was eight. Her mom and another mother decided to enter Sonny and the other son, Cree, in a costume contest. Cree was dressed as Maverick, the gunslinger, and Sonny was dressed in heels, fishnets, and a feather boa, impersonating Miss Kitty, the saloon girl from the show Gunsmoke. Elvira acknowledges how fucked up this is to dress an eight-year-old like an old Western whore, but nevertheless, they won. They each got $100 and their picture in the paper. 
And from there, she became obsessed with wearing costumes and performing. She'd put on stage shows for the neighborhood kids, just walked around the house, and even went to school in various costumes. For her, Halloween was a year-round event. Her mom and aunt began to use her as a model for costumes as they designed replicas of whatever was popular at the time. Ginger, from Gilligan's Island, was Sonny's favorite, and she realized that once she was parading around as the redhead, she had found her calling. Quote, Despite my scars, I had never been shy about performing in front of people, which was odd, considering I was especially shy and withdrawn in my everyday life. End quote. Same girl about being shy and withdrawn, not about performing. I don't feel per- comfortable performing in front of people. Maybe that's why I host a podcast. I was about to say, uh, <laughs> you're on a podcast. People can, anybody can listen to this. Because by the time everyone gets to hear and see, thanks for YouTube, Tyler. Me. You're welcome. I've long since stopped speaking. You're right. I can hide in my room as you all enjoy whiskey and wonder and pretend that I'm not actively embarrassing myself every Sunday. Not that I'm complaining. I love podcasting. This is something I get to look forward to at the end of every week. I am just wildly introverted and am not quite sure how I managed to do this or my day job, which requires quite a bit of public speaking. Yep. On developing her trademark cleavage... Cassandra Peterson says, quote, Suddenly, one day, I sprouted boobs. Not just boobs, enormous boobs. When puberty finally struck, I developed faster than a Polaroid. In my mind, at least, I remember going to bed flat as a board one night and waking up with ginormous breasts the next morning. It was like, whoa, dude, this is better than the tooth fairy. To emphasize my newly sprouted bosom, which wasn't really necessary, but why not, I borrowed a Fredericks of Hollywood catalog from a neighbor girl's older sister and ordered a major push-up bra. The cleavage this little miracle invention created was insane. Each cup contained more foam than a Tempur-Pedic mattress. It really made the boys in school and more than a male teacher or two sit up and take notice. This bra was one of the best things that ever happened to me, and I ordered a couple more as backups. The only time it betrayed me came years later, on a trip to Las Vegas, when I wore it under my bikini top in a swimming pool, and it absorbed so much water that I nearly drowned. (laughs) Uh. At 14, Elvira was frequenting a nightclub for under-21s. They were staging a go-go girl contest and immediately she signed up she won second place and is still bitter about it today but one of the perks with second place was she got hired along with first place to dance at a nightclub called club a go-go so 14 year old cassandra peterson began to moonlight after her junior high homework as a skimpy dancer in a glass cage wearing barely more than a bikini And the patriarchy is gross, generally. Some men are good. Some of y'all. We try. (laughs) At 17, her family was going on vacation to California. They made a stop in Las Vegas where Elvira begged, pleaded, and probably performed ritual sacrifice to be allowed to attend one of the showgirls on the Strip 
tits and feather shows, she called them. She convinced her parents that she could pass for 21 and wouldn't even be carded. And even if she was carded, it wasn't a big deal because she had a fake. Somehow, this worked. Oh, and by the way, the weird pause there was me. I put insert there. Talk about me with the showgirl as a little kid, but I did that earlier. So this was where I was supposed to talk about that. Okay. Anyway. Just uh, for anybody that thinks I don't look like I'm paying attention or sound like I'm kind of giving generic things, I'm trying to figure out what exactly is happening with these goddamn cameras. So I am listening. I am just... Frustrated? Only, uh, no, I'm only giving you half my attention. So That's okay. I will, be, I will be the first one to admit that, but I'm trying to make this stop cutting out. That's okay. You can always go back and listen to it later. Absolutely. It's a green flag pit stop, guys. <laughs> Somehow this worked, and her parents agreed to go to a show. Right after dinner, before the show was about to begin, the trio were approached by the maitre d'. Instantly, Elvira began to panic that she'd been found out as underage, as did her parents. Instead, he asked if she was a showgirl. She managed to choke out a no and he hurried away. They began to look for the nearest exit when a blonde woman appeared at their table. She asked them to come with her. Into an office backstage they went, where a handsome man asked if Sonny could dance. She said yes, and he proceeded to ask her for a demonstration as he turned on a portable stereo. She danced as if her life depended on it, imagining her and her family thrown into prison for letting a 17-year-old attend a show and enjoy a glass of champagne. Elvira instantly admitted to being just 17 and begged them not to arrest her parents. They informed her that her age was not an issue and sent her back to watch the show with her parents. The girls were gorgeous and she had never seen such beautiful creatures before. <sighs> okay, so pause real quick. Yesterday, I was typing up all my research and all of a sudden, everything froze and crashed, and I lost four pages. I was surprised you didn't say that during the... I was uh, trying not to bring it up okay. until now I got here, and this is one of the pages I lost, and apparently I just forgot to mention. <laughs> so the reason why um, the guy asked her to dance, and she danced, and she admitted that she was 17, was because he asked her if she would like to be a showgirl if she would like to perform. Mm. The dude said her age is an issue, sent her back to watch a show. She watched the show and told, your, told her parents about what was going on. Everyone was a bit skeptical and dazed at the offer. After the show, they came up to their table and asked Elvira to a meeting with their producer the next day. There was some grumbling about wanting to get on the road but nevertheless, they agreed. The next morning at 10 a.m., the trio met with their producer for an interview. In front of her parents, she answered all the questions, including having to take off her shirt and bra. She was offered a job for a summer production on the spot. Her parents were weary and hired a lawyer to make sure they weren't selling their eldest daughter into sex slavery. When it was confirmed this was a legitimate business offer, 
They signed her contract and Sonny was officially on to perform in Vegas that summer. But first, she had to graduate. She was known as the school slut with her giant boobs and go-go dancing that allowed her to buy a brand new Pontiac Firebird. And yet, Cassandra is pleased to inform she graduated high school as a virgin. Once in Vegas, she realized that this was not going to be the fairy tale she imagined. The other girls were mean to her. She had poor vision and would not be allowed to wear glasses while dancing. Her con... Her contacts were ineffective because of the Nevada dry heat. So she was having to learn all the moves while basically blind. Mm. And the choreographer was a complete asshole. Quote, After demonstrating which foot I should stand on for the umpteenth time, Ron stormed within inches of my face and screeched, This foot! Simultaneously stomping down on my foot with all of his might. I don't really think he meant to come down directly on it. At least I hope not. Ever the drama queen, I limped through the rest of the day with my foot wrapped in ice packs and let everyone know how unhappy I was. That night, I called my parents. I hate it here, I sobbed. I'm quitting the show and coming back home. To their credit, instead of saying, we told you so, which was what I had expected, they gave me their best pep talk ever and convinced me not to give up. After all... They'd just gone through a miserable four months of my whining and spent money on a lawyer, so they weren't about to see it go all down the dumpster. The second choreographer was nice, and he actually helped Elvira learn her moves. With his patience and kindness, he became a lifelong friend. Vive les girls was the show, and it was very prestigious. It won Best Las Vegas Show for 10 years running and sold out every night. Despite the rocky start, the girls warmed up to Sonny and they all became friends. A few weeks into the show's opening, her parents came to watch her performance. Quote, Thank God I couldn't see them because of the lighting or I wouldn't have been able to step on stage. I was later told by the maitre d' that my dad cried during my performance. I'm still hoping it was because he was proud of me and not because he was embarrassed. End quote. <laughs> it was during Vive that she got her first comedy performance. They decided to capitalize on her nearsightedness and her young age to give her a special bit during the show. It ended up being a hit moment. While a man sang a song on stage, each showgirl would come out one-on-one -on -one and do a seductive dance around him. They had Cassandra dancing around as an albeit incredibly sexy, but still derpy Mr. Magoo. Mm. She'd dance right past his outstretched hand as if she couldn't see it. She'd continue wandering off in the wrong direction, and he would have to help guide her back, forcing a smile and continuing to sing. She gets trapped in the stage curtain and has to be rescued, only to hurdle right up to the edge of the stage and get pulled back. The audience loved it. They were delighted because they'd never seen a showgirl be such a klutz. They performed six nights a week, two shows every night, with three on Saturdays. Remember that Firebird she bought herself? Mm -hmm. Well, it was a sweet car with black vinyl interior. And it got hot as hell in the Vegas heat. 
especially since she only had access to street parking. Once, her and a friend decided to see if they could fry an egg on her hood. They succeeded, and moreover, the egg burned within minutes. Sitting on the black driver's seat was literally scalding, so Elvira had a routine she'd do every time she needed to drive. First, she would open her car door with oven mitts on. She'd wait a few minutes for some of the heat inside the car to dissipate before then she'd spread a beach towel over the chair. With the beach towel on the seat, she'd slink inside, still wearing oven mitts so she wouldn't burn her hands on the steering wheel, and turn on the ignition. And she'd wait a couple minutes for the air conditioning to begin kind of chugging along before driving off. And she had to arrive an hour before any of the other girls so that she could have makeup artists cover the scars on her neck, back, stomach, and shoulders. So, she didn't get around a whole lot. There was a 45-minute break between each show, and often, Sawney and her friends would prank the front desk at the casino, asking to have a fictitious person be paged like Jack Mehoff, and then they'd giggle like mad as the fake name played throughout the floor. Vive Le Girl had a ton of rules the girls had to follow. There was a strict three-strike policy, and if you got caught, your ass was grass. Number one, no horseback riding, skiing, skating, or any sport where you could break an arm or leg. Two, you must wear bright red lipstick at all times, even though this was not in fashion at the time. Three, you always have to smile on stage, a full-toothed, big, open grin. As I'm demonstrating. Yes. No tan lines. No visiting. I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, does that mean all nude tanning or just no tanning? All, all nude tanning. Okay. Or... Don't tan. Well, I, I didn't know if maybe they had to be tan. No. So Elvira um, is pale as all hell. Yeah, I saw. I looked up a couple of photos. Yeah, earlier. and she's naturally pale. Anytime she tried to tan, she would just get red and then be pale again. So she's one of those. Mm. I feel good, girl. Me. Me too. Me too. Um, number four, no tan lines. Number five. No visiting any casino bar in either the hotel you worked at or any other hotel. They wanted to make sure that the girls couldn't fraternize with customers so they wouldn't be mistaken for whores. And six, maintain your weight. At your contract signing, you were weighed. And then every week onward, if you got, and then every week onward, if you got five pounds over your start weight, You'd get a warning slip to tell you to shed those extra pounds or else action would be taken. Mm-hmm. And then there was the unspoken rules. Like how if you were caught with black friends, you'd be immediately fired. This happened to one of the girls who got caught enjoying dinner with basketball legend Wilt Chamberlain. It took a lot of tears and begging the following day to get her job back and then management kept an extremely close eye on her off-duty activities. Cassandra Peterson was shocked at this revelation. It opened her eyes to how racist the underbelly of Vegas was at the time. Despite some of the best acts on the strip being black, 
Nat King Cole, Sammy Javis Jr., the Jackson Five, Dion Warwick, etc. They'd be forced to leave the casinos via the back doors and were not allowed to spend any time inside the bar. Cassandra had thought that this time was the era of black is beautiful. Quote, as far as I was concerned, nothing was groovier than being Afro-American. Boy, was I naive. End quote. At the time, gangsters still ran Vegas. Do they not anymore? <laughs> anyway, uh, with Italian and Jewish mob ties. I'll report back in December. Okay. Uh, if you get taken to any of the like casino heads, I think I might not see you again. Uh, I might come back with a bum knee. <laughs> like, um, oh, what's that, guys? William H. Macy in The Cooler. You see some movies and then you see no movies, and it's so weird. Uh, I had a period where I watched movies. Mm, mm, mm. Many people have heard the horrific saga of Elvira's encounter with Tom Jones that led up to her deciding it was time to leave Vegas. She met him backstage at one of his shows. They drank together and he invited her back to his room. And one thing led to another. But during the deed she began experiencing severe pain. She began to cry and yelled at Tom to stop, shoving him off of her. The sheets were covered in blood. By this time, she was no longer a virgin, and it was quite a fair amount of blood. I'm glad to report that he didn't force himself back to her to finish. Instead, he arranged a car to come get her. And she left. She returned home, still bleeding. In fact, she continued to bleed through their next show with no tampon able to stop the flow. One of the other girls convinced her to go to the emergency room where she was diagnosed with a hymenial injury, mm. which meant she had to be stitched back together down there. Oh. Yeah. No, thank you. Yeah. Was it? Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, what uh, you're thinking, yes, they had to, yes. No, I was more going to ask, were they just doing it wrong, or was it just that big? Or <laughs> So, in her memoir, um, she says that it was because Tom, D Tom Jones was so well endowed. Okay, all right, that was, so, that was legitimately, my, legitimately my question. Was, in her memoir, she said that he was... A very large man. Mm. So, yeah. Several years later, she and a friend were backstage, and she waved to Tom and asked if he remembered her. Quote, Of course, he sneered, looking me in the eye. You're the one with the scars on your back. His cruelty that night was a lot more painful than the stitches. End quote. She, Ouch. yeah, she realized she wasn't enjoying Vegas anymore and decided to move on. She moved to Rome for some time before returning to the States and eventually ending up in Los Angeles. She hated LA and never wanted to live there, but she followed a boy named Matt and he encouraged her to try to find an acting career. So she began to look for agents day after day, 
no one would work with her. Quote, until finally, one day, an agent was interested. Very interested. He was so nice on the phone, he even offered to come to my apartment to do the interview. Was that lucky or what? An hour later, a red-faced, overweight man arrived at my door, huffing and puffing after climbing the millions of stairs to our place. He impressed me by talking about all the famous clients he represented, then opened his briefcase and took out a mimeograph scene to read. It took place on the beach, so naturally he asked whether I had a swimsuit I could slip into. Skeptical, I wondered aloud if that was really necessary, but he assured me it was and convinced me that if I wanted to be a professional actress, I needed to take direction. Intimidated and feeling stupid, I conceded and ran into the bedroom to change. I know what you're thinking. How dumb could you be? I'm asking myself the same question as I sit here typing. But what can I say? I was young and desperate. I wanted to become an actress. And according to this showbiz authority, this is how you did it. After all, he was a seasoned pro, and I was brand new to Hollywood. What the fuck did I know? Moments later, I found myself sitting on the sofa in a bikini, reading the part of the female character while this sweaty slug played the part of the leading man. It went fine until the end when I read, in parentheses, they fall to the sand in a sensual embrace, kissing passionately. I finished my last line of dialogue and leapt off the couch. Didn't you see the directions there at the end? He asked. Uh, no. What directions? I lied. He looked at me like I was a frickin' idiot and huffed. They fall to the sand in a sensual embrace, kissing passionately. I just stood there, staring at him like a deer in headlights. There was no way in hell I was going to make out with Jabba the Hutt. Uh, <laughs> Well, wait, wait, wait. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> brilliant. Ah, uh, uh, chef's kiss. Brilliant. <laughs> um, well, well, what? I replied, playing dumb. The conversation went on like this for a minute or so until he hauled his huge ass off the couch and came toward me. I backed away as fast as my quivering legs would allow. I'm sorry, he said, throwing his arms up in frustration so I couldn't help but notice the massive sweat stains in his pits. But it doesn't look like acting is the career for you. Maybe you should stick to what you know best, being a showgirl. He spat the word out like it was the lowest of the low. I remained mute, glued to my spot in the corner of the room. He grabbed the sides from the couch, stuffed them into his briefcase, and lumbered out the door. I watched from the window, half-naked and blubbering like a baby as he trundled down the steps, taking my dreams of becoming an actress with him. When Matt got home that evening, he found me packing my bags for Colorado. Lots of hugs and a rousing pep talk later, he convinced me to stay. End quote. She ended up with Matt for just about a year before she moved on. She caught him in bed with a male work exec and decided that she should probably find her own place. She got her Screen Actors Guild SAG card thanks to that second choreographer from above, Jerry Jackson, the one that had become her lifelong friend. And at this time in her life, 
she met her friend Donna Kaufman, who would later change her life by by suggesting that she audition for Movie Macabre. Matt and Elvira remained amicable, and one night he invited her to a Christmas party at a celebrity's house. She agreed and was blown away by the guest list. Matt decided, blah, 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 blah. Matt ended up deciding it was time to leave long before Sonny was ready. And since she didn't have her car at the time, she reluctantly agreed to go with him. They bickered the whole way to his Volkswagen Beetle. The fight became more heated and loud, culminating with Elvira saying she'd find another ride home when she was ready to leave, and Matt trying to forcibly shove her into the car. And then, Matt's arm was yanked away from her, and he was slammed against his own car. Bobby, who they had been hanging out with most of the night, had seen what had happened and came to her rescue. Bobby was strong and athletic and could easily do some damage to Matt. But he released Matt after Cassandra begged, ensuring that, and she ensured that she was okay, and Matt jumped into his bug and sped off. Cassandra wondered what she should do when a cab pulled up and Bobby offered to give her a lift while on his way back to his hotel. He was a true gentleman. He walked her to the door and asked her if they could do dinner the next night. She agreed. The next day, when she called his hotel, the very swanky Bel Air, she was connected to a Mr. De Niro. Yes, the Bobby that saved her was that Bobby De Niro. Wow. Robert De Niro at the time. He'd just finished working on two films, Mean Streets and Bang the Drum Slowly, which she had never heard of. But they hit it off and spent the night this is another time, time where everything got wrecked because I lost everything. Um, Side note, all I can ever picture Robert De Niro as is the guy from Meet the Fockers. Same, and that's so sad because yep. he's such a good actor. Yep. Like, But I just see him as Mr. Fokker. No, he's not Mr. Fokker. He's the... Oh, you're right. Yeah, he's the... Fuck. Um, I don't remember their names, but I don't remember their names the either. No. Um... Ben Stiller's the fucker. Yes. Um, shit. Ben Stiller is a fucker. I cannot remember. Anyway, yes. I just, that's also the movie I picture him as. Yes. So, sad. Um, so, when um, they met up, um, she asked Bobby what he was doing. They hit it off because they were both actors. He had just finished working on two films, Mean Streets and Bang the Drums Slowly which Cassandra had never heard of. Um, but despite not having heard of him or the movies he was doing, they both hit it off. And uh, they agreed to meet for dinner the f- that night. But they never made it to dinner. Instead, they hit it off and spent the night in her apartment. He went back to New York the next day but she still remembers him fondly. Another time, Matt took her out for a drink at a mutual friend's place. Here, Matt told her he was going to introduce her to a man she would absolutely love, Bill Cable. And he was quite right. They were deeply in love. 
and spent a year together living in a tree house. Yes, a tree house. Yeah. An old boyfriend, Dane Clark, got in touch with Sonny and invited her and Bill to go see Elton John. Dane had become Elton John's hair and wardrobe guy. Quote, After the concert, Dane took us backstage to meet Elton, who was immediately taken with Bill, as pretty much all gay men are. For the private party that followed, an entire carnival had been set up on the Universal backlot. Dane was the one who delivered the news to me that it was boys only, and I was disinvited. Bill and Dane went off with Elton and his entourage, leaving me in the parking lot. And boy, was I pissed. Bill and her relationship did not last from there. The next year, Dane became a wardrobe manager for Queen and invited her out again. She loved Queen terribly, and getting to see them with front row seats was a dream come true. Quote, Their performance was as spectacular as anything I'd ever seen, and afterward, Dane escorted me backstage to meet the band. A couple of hours later, I joined everyone as they piled into the limo for the trip back to their hotel. The limo was overflowing with guys, so I ended up on Dane's lap, where, after quite a few cocktails, we resumed our former crush, flirting like mad. Everyone was having fun, laughing, and continuing the party that he'd begun in the dressing room. Except for Freddie Mercury, who had suddenly gone quiet. When we arrived at the hotel, Freddie jumped out of the car and left without a word to anyone. I was disappointed, but chalked it up to him being exhausted after such an energetic performance. Interesting side story. After the movie Bohemian Rhapsody came out in 2018, I did a little research and came across an article that mentioned Dane. Not only did he do Freddy's wardrobe, but he also did Freddy. The whole cold shoulder treatment by Freddy suddenly came into focus. I wasn't surprised, though, because I'd heard Freddy had a penchant for giant schlongs, and Dane wasn't referred to as Great Dane for nothing. End quote. As time progressed, a friend introduced her to an improv comedy group known as the Groundlings, and she absolutely fell in love with that style of acting. Quote, The show blew my mind. I couldn't believe that a group of actors actually got up on stage in front of an audience and put on a show that they basically made up as they went along, just like I had for the neighborhood kids. I knew at that moment that I was somehow going to become a member of that group. It would take another few years to make, for me to make the commitment, but the groundlings were never far from my mind. End quote. Here, she spends several pages going into some of the sexual harassment she faced, and I feel it would be a disservice to her to rewrite her experience in my own words and a bit cheap to recite entire chapters of her book word for word. Know that there is, heartbreakingly, a lot. And I implore you to read Yours Cruelly, Elvira, Memoirs of the Mistress of the Dark, from cover to cover. Cassandra Peterson is way funnier than I, and her entire life story is incredible. 
Her amazing life continued, attending concerts and looking for acting work. One night, she went backstage to meet John Mellencamp, but instead found the man guarding his dressing room door. Elvira instantly felt a connection to him, a surfer boy named Mark Pearson, and she left with him. That night, she realized that this was the man of her dreams. She would marry Mark one day, and from then on, they never spent a night apart. A year after they moved in together, Mark and Cassandra got married. Their ceremony was small, in a tiny church in Colorado, with just a few friends and their families. They decided to honeymoon in Aspen. And that's when Donna called, begging Cassandra and Mark to come back to L.A. There was the perfect opportunity for her. A TV station was reviving an old program that needed a sexy woman to host the movie horror flicks once a week. Sold. But Can she, do. But she was on her honeymoon, and she was sick of losing out on all these jobs. So she refused to go back until after the honeymoon and was sure that the part would be taken by then. But it wasn't. She went to an interview and was hired on the spot. Quote, in August of 1981, Myla Nermi was asked by KHJ-TV to revive her Vampira, or Vampira character for television. I'm assuming that after their initial meeting, it was obvious that wasn't an option. Myla was in her 60s and was clearly not up to the task. The TV station came up with the idea of finding a new, younger actress to revive the role. KHJ promised Myla that in exchange for use of the name she would receive an executive producer credit on the show and collect a weekly royalty payment. That week, I had a meeting with the director of the show, Larry Thomas, and the station manager, Chuck Valona, and the pro program director, Walt Baker, along with Vampyra herself, Myla Nermi. Vampyra had hosted horror movies at the station for a brief period in 1956, and they explained that I would be playing Vampyra's daughter. At this time, I had absolutely no idea there was an actual person named Vampira, probably because the show had only aired in Los Angeles area when I was a child. I was familiar with the character Vampirella from Famous Monsters of Filmland creator Forrest J. Ackerman, but I assumed the name Vampira was a generic name for a female vampire. They showed me a few photos they had on hand of her when she was in her prime, and I was thrilled that the character she played looked so much like one of my childhood favorites, Morticia Adams. Coincidentally, Myla and I had a lot in common. She had previously worked as a showgirl and modeled for men's magazines before turning to horror hosting. End quote. Initially, Cassandra painted Elvira as a girl in a pale pink tattered gown with dead girl makeup on and kept her natural red locks. And the TV management hated it. Had to be all black, they demanded. So she and her artist friend, Robert Redding, began to redesign Elvira again to fit what the producers wanted. Quote, that left us with a more typical vampire look, which was frustrating for both of us, but Robert managed to give it a cooler, edgier 80s spin. 
He'd recently wrapped a production of Macbeth at a West Hollywood's Globe Playhouse, playing the witch Hectate, and had researched Kabuki theater books for his look. His makeup turned out to be perfect for me, too. Robert's favorite performer of all time was Ronnie Spector of the 60s girl girl group The Ronettes, the original bad girl of rock and roll. Elvira's hairdo was inspired by Ronnie's beehive, only she called it a knowledge bump. Featuring long black hair <laughs> cascading from beneath a mile-high buffant. We were both a bit shocked that they didn't mind the plunging neckline that Robert had drawn. In fact, their only comment regarding changes to the costume was to ask that we made the slit on the leg a little higher. Ratings were ratings, and local stations back then didn't seem to get much flack from standards and practices, so what the hell? Coming from my background, I was totally fine wearing a skimpy outfit. From time to time, I was asked in interviews how my parents felt about what I was wearing on TV, and I always replied, heck, they're just happy I'm wearing anything. Back then, my super low-cut neckline and long black nails were so shocking. Today, it seems like every woman on the Grammys and Academy Awards has adopted my look. End quote. The first day of filming almost became the last. Myla Nurmi's attorney called and let them know that they could not use the name Vampira. She was unhappy they'd cast Cassandra Peterson, a comedian actress, to play her old character. Feeling she'd just lost another gig, she began to wander back to the dressing room when instead, okay, gang, let's pick another name and get this show on the road, was shouted, The entire crew began to suggest names. Eventually, they decided to just write all the ideas on slips of paper and put them in an old coffee can and then draw one at random. Quote, I tossed in the name Cassandra. Thank God I didn't choose that. (laughs) Elvira, I grimaced when I pulled the slip of paper from the can. Sounds like a country western singer to me, I said probably in reference to the song Elvira by the Oak Ridge Boys, which had recently been released. Oh, well, that was that. We fired up the old fog machine and got back to shooting the intro to the show. Me, standing in a doorway at the end of a long, dark hallway, beckoning viewers to join me. End quote. The show was called Elvira's Movie Macabre, and it aired every Saturday at midnight, and then repeated on Sunday afternoons as an alternative to football. Mark and Cassandra eagerly watched the first episode together at home as it aired, and immediately after were bombarded with calls from friends congratulating her and random strangers calling to ask if her tits were real. They needed to enlist their number from the phone book ASAP. Quote, I had absolutely zero hopes of the show staying on air for long, much less leading to fame. I was just happy to have a weekly check coming in. Apparently, the station didn't hold out much hope for the show either, because years later, when the show came to an end, I asked to buy the red velvet sofa I'd reclined on. Management discovered they'd been paying a weekly prop rental fee for the previous six years instead of buying it outright. I estimate that sofa had about 
$20,000 sunk into it. <laughs> I got it for 200 Deal of the century. End quote. She was offered a gig at a convention in L.A. A hundred daughters. A hundred daughters. <laughs> Whoa, not what I meant to say. A <laughs> hundred dollars to sign autographs. Of course, the day of the convention, she woke up sick as a dog, but that didn't de didn't deter her. On with the show. She managed to sign several autographs and pass along the flu to numerous of her fans. Oops. A big benefit of playing Elvira was that no one recognized red-headed Cassandra as the gothic lady. And then, quote, Back in the early 80s, Coors Brewing Company of Golden, Colorado, came up with a new marketing strategy. Their intention was to corner the beer market on Halloween. And why not? Every year, Halloween had morphed into more and more of an adult holiday, mainly attributed, I believe, to the gay community, but also in part to Elvira. A quote from Wall Street Journal in 1986 proclaimed, quote, Halloween, once a romp for kids clad as pirates and princesses, now rivals St. Patrick's Day and New Year's Eve as party time for adults. Blame it on Elvira. End quote. End quote again. Elvira absolutely adored that they were blaming everything on her being the queen of Halloween. Quote again. Putting a spin on their silver bullet tagline, Coors introduced the beer wolf. Unfortunately, the cheesy looking hairball didn't quite accomplish what they'd hoped for. In 1986, Coors made one last-dish effort to bring back the hokey beast. Only this time, he was flanked by the mistress of the dark. End quote. Soon, they completely ditched the beer wolf and instead made just Elvira their spooks person during Halloween. She was the first female celebrity in commercial history to endorse a beer. And that is that. Elvira became a legend in her own right. Cassandra Peterson became a cult phenomenon. And the rest of her story, as Elvira, she tells in her memoir, Yours Cruelly, Elvira, Mem Memoirs of the Mistress of the Dark. Please go out and buy it. It is a brilliant read, and I left out some of the best bits. I came to this wonder segment to introduce you to Elvira, a woman who inspired me in many ways in my youth, and frankly, my adulthood. I wanted to share the story of her invention and how much Cassandra fought to earn her gothic royalty. But really, this can be where her story truly begins. Elvira, Cassandra, I don't know if you're ever going to hear this, but just in case you do, thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for giving little weirdos like me a gorgeous role model for the past 40 years. You are a legend. Thank you, Mistress of the Dark. Happy spooky season, fellow weirdos, freaks, and geeks. And this concludes today's Wonder segment. But go get her memoir, her realsies. So, 
I looked up several photographs uh, before I had to start troubleshooting. And obviously, I have no idea who this woman is. Um, I would have just thought she was some lady that played uh, Morticia, Morticia Adams. Um, and then I saw a picture of her not in costume and holy shit. It's amazing. The yeah, transformation. Yeah. It, I would have never guessed it was the same person, but number one, she's a gorgeous woman, not in costume. In costume. She's also gorgeous. Well, yeah, and well, she's 70 sure, now. Yeah. That's all like that's made am- up. And everything. She looks amazing for her yeah. age. Yeah. So, um, I think part of the reason why I've never heard of her is uh, number one, I'm not a Halloween person. Like I don't, I've, I literally stopped celebrating Halloween, Halloween when I was like 12 or 13. I just, I'm disappointed in you. Yeah. Never. I I don't like being scared. Mm. I think we've talked about that on here that that's, that's, uh, there's a, uh, one of the reasons we like being scared is it releases that feeling of life or death situation, mm-hmm. but it doesn't, it's not a life or death situation. Mm-hmm. I don't enjoy that feeling. Mm. I'm, I'll, like, I think it's something like 70 to 80% of people do. Mm-hmm. I'm one of the, you know, 20 or 30% that don't like it. So Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. So you didn't like horror movies or anything either. I'm I sure. I don't, I don't watch them. It makes sense. So. Um, like legitimately to me, this is, this is going to make me sound like a weenie. Um, Shutter Island was like about as far as I'll push it with suspense and scary movies. Shutter Island's not scary at all. It's just suspenseful. I don't, I don't, I don't do scary, but anyway, okay, we'll move on. Trivia with Tyler. All right. So I'm hoping these cameras hold out for the rest of the time. Uh, some of the settings on yours had reverted back to old. Oh, that's why on the last moment of correction. Oh, I got to mess with your picture because you look all. Oh, whatever. Distorted. Anyway, it'll work for today. Anyway, um, I changed. I unplugged it from the source and change some of the settings back anyway so our little nugget today lee smith hall of fame pitcher started his famous slow walk in from the bullpen because quote i had a lot of friends on the grounds crew at wrigley field i found out that they got time and a half if the game went past 4 30 p.m so i took my time getting to the mound the slow walk to the mound just became part of my routine. Oh, he was trying to help his help his pals get a little extra cash in the paycheck. That is a a humble Tyler Nugget this week. It that, is that's great. Oh, yep. so what a sweet dude. That's that's nice. All right, I'm before we jump too much further. I went ahead and put two drops of water in mine, mm-hmm. but I have not tasted it since. So. Okay. I'm going to be jumping in here to an unknown. Final thoughts. 
right. Um, I have not gotten a whole lot of time to um, drink today um, because it was my wonder segment and uh, Tyler wasn't able to comment as much because he was busy troubleshooting. So um, I would say I still have, oh, I just did a like smack in the mic too. I'm sorry, guys. I would say I only have, or I I still have like half left, half yeah, half left. So I I'm gonna sit here and sip a minute as Tyler tells us what he thinks. So I'm not a fan of the water droplet. It is a little more, uh, it's less sweet, and it is more a little more spice in it. Um, there's not too much spice without the water. Um, truth be told. I kind of mentioned it a little bit earlier. Just based off the smell, uh, I was very shocked at the smell, and I didn't really care for it. Um, I was like, oh, this is going to be something I don't like. Um, But the taste kind of brought it back. Uh, you know, I know I, I know I said it made me, took me back to my childhood, but I don't, I like biscuits. I don't, I don't enjoy the smell of just grain whiskey and you know yeah um makes sense so i I was worried at first it was going to taste very grainy and just be very bland um then it hit me with the bacon taste and threw me for a loop um as i've sat here and sipped on this in between camera issues and looking up elvira pictures and listening to megan um I can I've come to one conclusion on this. Um this is not a daily drinker for me. This is not something I'm going to um I, I I'm just gonna have to be in the right mood for this. And more often than not, I'm probably gonna mix this. But it is something that I could have standalone as well if I was in the right mood. It's just a little too... Mm, average. Okay. Um, I, I disagree with you on that this is not an average bourbon this is not an average whiskey because of the weird um that weird smoky um aftertaste that we're correlating to bacon um i don't that is like the one redeeming that that to me has like changed the entire presence of this whiskey in my head um this is not a daily drinker but this is not something that I would mix. It's, um, I would call this a novelty whiskey. It's something that I would have all my friends try when they come over to see if they, how they feel about that bacon experience at the end. Um, and it it is something that I think I would dip into um, every so often just as the mood sort of hits me. Um, but it will probably stay in the cabinet for quite a few years until it actually gets finished. It won't be something that I go into a whole lot. Um, I I think one thing that I might have left off there that 
I do want to mention while you finish a little bit more. Um, for me, the bacon smoky taste kind of went away over time. So maybe that's part of it is you didn't get to drink as much. Maybe because it's not really gone away yeah. from me. I it, know what to expect now, yeah. but it's still there. It it dulled uh, to me. So, um, Well, you're definitely still drinking. Did you have any other thoughts or am I good to go ahead and... Um. I think I'm ready to rate this bad boy. Okay. So well, let's rate it then. All right. What are you thinking? <clears throat> uh, you know, earlier I, I said it was pretty average and I'm going to cause it like I sees it. I'm going to give it a five. Okay. All right. Five for Tyler. So I 100% disagree that this is average. It's very unique in my experience with the performance it gives but if i look at it on a taste level and how much i like it versus don't like it then it does end up in the middle i think i'm gonna rate this one a little bit higher than you um i'm gonna go with a just a five and a half i i think you worded that a lot better than i did just by calling it average the taste is different it's not just an average bourbon but for me where I would put it flavor wise. Yes. It's, it's, yes, it's, it's a unique f- flavor, but not great. It's it not, doesn't, it's not yeah. something you want. Like, oh my gosh, that's so good. Like some of the whiskeys we've had on here that we've yes. immediately been like, oh my God, we oh, have to get this more. Yeah. Yeah. This is one that it's like, whoa, this tastes very different. Like I said, but, it's, it's just for me one mm. that you got to be in the mood for. Well, definitely. Definitely. It makes me think of like, um, maybe because of the smoky aftertaste, but it's making me think of like a a candied bacon or like a maple bacon donut. Like it's something that I don't want a whole lot. I almost never want it, but I could enjoy it sometimes. Um, Yeah, I I guess I really don't have too much else to say on that. We've, uh, holy Christ. And we're pushing an hour and 45 minutes here. So you guys are getting a little bit extra on this episode. <laughs> My topics are usually a little long. Well, that's good because they make up for mine being a little short. So. <laughs> that's all right. Hopefully Put that us changes together them. and we equal a whole kind of person. We average out. <laughs> um, I guess on that note, guys, I, and I'll be honest with you, I bought this out West. I don't know if this is something that if you're local to where we are, I don't know if you can get this. So obviously it's from... Montana, Montana, Bozeman area. So, yep. If you're out that way, try it. If you can get it shipped to you, try that as well. Yeah, it's not bad. Very unique experience. It's that, worth trying. It's definitely. worth trying for the experience yep. for sure. Um, it'd be perfect for a little, like one of the little taster bottles. Yeah, the airplane. Yeah, the airplane bottles. That this is a, a whiskey that that would be amazing for. Um, before we completely 100 percent uh, go into uh, finalization, everything for those of you who are still sticking with us, still around. Um, please, 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 uh, watch or listen to next week's episode. Um, it is going to be the episode where my dad is a guest. And though that's awesome, that's not the reason why I'm telling you, you have to uh, watch it or listen to it. The next episode is going to be a unique story that literally no one has ever heard before, ever. It is about a Vietnam um, troop 
that the U.S. government claimed did not exist until just recently where they declassified everything they were doing. Um, my grandfather, Jerry, was a part of this unit, um, and my dad spent a couple of weeks uh, with Jerry and with his old platoon learning everything he could about um, what happened there and their experience. And because this is now all declassified only within the past couple of years, it's something that we're allowed to talk on, talk about on the podcast. So this will be a something 100% unique. You're not going to find it anywhere else. It's not going to be something you can read about. Next week's story is a Whiskey and Wonder exclusive, and it's a pivotal part of American history. So stick around next week. Um, if you have any friends that are into history, especially American history, even if they hate whiskey, get them to listen to just the Wonder segment. Um, I want this story out there. I know my grandfather uh, deserves to have his story out there, um, and it's it's a doozy. There's there's a reason why uh, the U.S. government said that, no, <laughs> people aren't real. I'll, I'll put so. it this way, guys. Um, this is I think this is the best uh, endorsement that we can give, or it, me personally, I can give. I have no idea, other than what Megan has said on the air. She has not told me anything off air, and I am so excited for this. I, I am making it priority number one to make sure these cameras work next week so that I don't have to do this and I can a hundred percent focus on the guest chair. Um, I'm making it my second priority that I teach Megan what to do about the cameras so that she can do it <laughs> and I can give a hundred percent focus to <laughs> the guest chair. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I personally am really looking forward to it. I think everybody out there, you know, that listens if your friends are, you know, any kind of like uh, war history buffs or anything like that, this would be something unique that they're probably not going to get. It sounds like anywhere unless they go actually read classified, declassified documents. Yeah. Which, yeah. That's the only place you're going to hear it other than um, the, specifically the from the pl platoon, which is very sadly dwindling there's less and less of them every year happens to the best of us yep um and here on this podcast so um we were given the blessing of the platoon to have this episode my dad was told that he is more uh, than welcome to share their story this is the place where it's going to be heard um i'm going to say this again at the very beginning of our next episode so uh any of your friends listening can know where they need to jump in. Um, in fact, I'm going to have Tyler add something I record at the end that says the exact time the Wonder segment starts, so you literally can skip the whiskey. Uh, um, yeah, and I think um, one, just to parlay off of that, one thing I've been looking at for these, for the YouTube videos, I know you can do essentially chapters. Chapters, and you can, yes, that, I, I would love to figure out how to do that. I, that is my goal this week to, that is my third thing on this list. On the list is to figure out how to do the chapters for this next episode. Just for amazing, that reason, so. amazing. Well, thank you guys so much. Um, I know that was a lot to unpack on you in like the last minute or two, but it gives you something to think about and look forward to next Monday, um, the second Monday of October, twenty twenty one. Yes, and 
We have one more thing. We should have put this in the announcements, but I forgot about it. I forgot about my note. So we're just going to briefly touch on it, and we'll get more into it next week. But we talked about last year, we did a... Halloween special? New Year's. New Year's special. Uh, yes. We oh, did, I we forgot did a, we were an, supposed to mention this. An end of Whoops. year special. Um, so originally, well, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to hold off announcing it actually, because I need to talk to you about something okay. that Shelby and I talked about today. We actually came up with another idea because I forgot we had this one. Okay. So just stay know, stay tuned stay for tuned. an announcement about um, our end of year special. Yes. An announcement will be coming next week about our end of year special. So go ahead and put that on your radar. Uh, we will probably have some crowd participation in some form. Yes. So super exciting. Um, other than that, guys, we appreciate you sticking around, checking us out on YouTube, like subscribe, smash the notification button or whatever. You know us, we we're not good at social media and promoting ourselves. So no. Um, so any, any little bit you guys can do, uh, is huge um, yep. in making it so we can continue doing this. So thank you guys so much. Um, I I can't thank you enough. I'm 100% sincere when I say that you make this possible. So thank you. You. You're the best. So, um, on that note, guys, we're going to get out of here. We've been here for an hour and 50 minutes, so we're going to let you go. All right. Thank you, friends. Um, we hope you have a wonderful week and we look forward to seeing you next Monday. Thank you so much for tuning in. Don't drink and drive. Cheers. It tastes like bacon.